Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back, everyone, to Kogel Wine and Film, A Perfect Pairing. I'm film critic Gary Kogel, and today, Avengers Endgame, which opened to the largest worldwide box office in movie history, taking in more than $1.2 billion. And a recent trip to Waxahachie, Texas, has us thinking about everything from the movie Places in the Heart to rocker David Byrne to Texas music legend Ray Wiley Hubbard, a song called Snake Farm, and Texas wine and spirits like Dukeman Wines and Deep Eddie Vodka. I'm wine expert Haley Hamilton Cogill. We did take a couple weeks off, so we're glad to be back. Yeah, and we, we had a blast in Waxahachie last yes. weekend, and I can't wait to share a little bit more about why the Crossroads of Texas Film and Music Festival is just so darn special. But first, to pair with our Avenging Avengers that had one purpose, turn back the clock and save Earth, there are many winemakers that are trying to do the exact same thing. And as we just celebrated Earth Day and face a changing climate every day, it seems only fitting to pair this stellar film with a winery dedicated to producing wines in the most caring way possible. This week, we raise a glass to Benzinger. But first, Gary, let's talk about Avengers Endgame. Okay, I'm just going to set the stage that we are not... I, I, yeah. I, I can only speak for me, but I know we are, we are not... Um, all in and know everything about every Avengers movie ever made. This is the 22nd oh my God. Of, I, yeah. of, of these films. <laughs> and it's the end game because it kind of wraps everything up from all of them so far. You know, they're going to go on and make and do so much more. But uh, And they're introducing some new characters, too, that I have no idea who they are. <laughs> but the last one, when it ended, uh, Avengers Infinity War, ended real dark and really desperate because Thanos, the bad guy, played by Josh Brolin, uh-huh. you know, wiped out half the population of the Earth. Okay. And so it ended in this really melancholy, and we lost some characters and those kinds of things. So Endgame is the big war to get all that to back. To get Thanos and destroy right. Thanos. And he's really good. The, you know, I, I admit I am not a big um, superhero film person, though we did love Black Panther. Love Black And Pan- that was yeah. kind of the, the greatest surprise. We didn't see Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't see Guardians yeah, of yeah. the Galaxy until the second one came out. Right. And then I just fell in love with Baby Groot so much that I had to go back and, and yeah. see the, the first one. But yeah, because yeah. Groot's gone. Because Groot's cause Groot. Um, I'm, and I'm who's Groot. Groot voiced by? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, right? yes. yes. Um, so that's the kind of crazy thing with this film. There are so many good actors that are in this. And mm-hmm. then it, it's a really cool combination of these of these really great actors coming together to all with one purpose. Well, I think this, I'm just going to say up front, this is the best Avengers movie ever by far. Wow. Wow. By far. I don't think any of them even come close. I thought Infinity War was really actually good. But, um, and some of them, in the, some of them had moments in the back for me, but they always end up, you know, standing in front of each other, you know, with lots of power coming out of yeah, their, hands, their hands, you know, and their, and their eyes yeah. and they're all like, push the other guy back and beat the other guy. But, but, but this one has a real purpose and depth and soul to it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of emotion in this film. Mm-hmm. And if you're a big hardcore Avengers fan, I could see you bawling your eyes out 
through half of this movie mm-hmm. crying. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get all emotional about I it. I got a little emotional. I have to admit, yes. I got a little teary. Well, because they're they're all there's a human element to all of the mm-hmm. superhero stuff going on, and there's families connected, and there's people. There's a lot of loss in this mm-hmm. because the earlier Avengers movies annoyed me so much because there was so much collateral damage. Right. We'd watch two people fight, and you realize they just took out a half a city and killed right. a million people, right. and nobody comments on it. Right. And it really became annoying to me. And then they started becoming aware of the characters, becoming aware of that, and how they would band together to save the Earth, but we, we've got to keep the collateral damage low. But, yeah. but this one, it, so it ends up, and I, I'm going to tell a little bit about the story because I don't want to give all of it away. By the way, it's already up to $1.5 billion even now. So it's wow. just blowing Yeah, it going. just continues to. It's going to become, it has a chance to become one of the top two, maybe, highest grossing movies of all time. I doubt, I doubt one, but we'll see. But it's a time travel movie. Mm-hmm. So because of the way the last one ended, they want to go back and correct that. And you have all these mind games that you play with yourself. Mm-hmm. If you go back in time, this is explored by so many time travel mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. that if you go well, back, and I actually kind can of you change anything? And should you? Well, and I think it's hilarious because they comment on that. It's like, did you seriously just just quote Back to the Future? Right. I mean, they're they're commenting on every... Right. The, the whole dialogue is every single time travel movie that's right. ever been made. And was, then they list them all, which was kind of funny. Was I, Back to the Future wrong? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. But they've developed a way, you know, to time travel. And all of them go back and gather the stones, mm-hmm. put them back together and, and get the power that's going to save the earth. So and they have to do it perfectly. They only get one shot at doing this. But they it's a three-hour movie, three hours. I and they feel like it, though. The backstory is really interesting mm-hmm. and good. The opening scene is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And melancholy, mm-hmm. and you just kind of. Also, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rattle off some names because the, these are directed by the Russo brothers, who've done four Avengers films, including the last one, Infinity War. Um, but listen to this cast, because for the uninitiated, just listen to this. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Hemsworth, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, Don Cheadle. We call him Hot Tub Don, <laughs> Paul Rudd, Brie Larson, Bradley Cooper, who's the na- who's the voice of the raccoon rocket, <laughs> who's great, Josh Brolin, who's the bad guy, Benedict Cumberbatch, Zoe Saldana, Elizabeth Olsen, Chadwick Boseman from uh, Black Panther, Gwyneth Paltrow, John Favreau, Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, Tilda Swinton has a great part in this movie. Yeah. She's she just, did yeah, she did in, in the yeah. the Doctor Strange one also. Right. Yeah. She's, she's a one good of the character. one of the great actresses in this. Robert Redford, of course. Yeah. Renee Russo, who's very good and has an important part. Vin Diesel. Uh Denai Giara, is how do I say that's mm-hmm. the girl from um, Walking Dead mm-hmm. and uh, Black Panther, Samuel L. Jackson. And they travel in time, uh, you know, to to where Thanos wipes out half the population on the planet and they want to correct that. And can they do that? And it's so. It's a really I. I think it's a better film than Black Panther. I for I, me. I was I went in kind of saying I don't know who these people are. I don't know yeah. why are, it's three hours. Can I see this even though I don't know I anything? I don't know anything. <laughs> and I was thoroughly entertained. So even if you haven't been yeah. a, a a big Avengers um, viewer of the twenty one previous films or right. twenty. Um, it's really entertaining. And just like I said, the the beautiful human element of it and the fact that these people are so good. You know, like mm-hmm. I love Jeremy Renner. I've always loved Jeremy Renner. And 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 I also love that these these people that often play um that are that 
often are in movies maybe that go out and find the little budget film mm-hmm. and, and, you know, do the work because they love the work. I hope they all made a ton of money doing this film yeah. because they're all really good. Yeah, the, bu- <clears throat> the budget reportedly is around a little over $350 million, which would make it the most expensive movie ever made, although we've got a, you know, a couple more um, James Cameron films coming yeah. that might top that. But they know built in that they're going to do a billion dollars mm-hmm. instantly. Mm-hmm. And so why not spend that money and mm-hmm. make it? Why not pay everybody at least pay everybody. a million and bucks or more, 20 yeah. million here and there? And, you know? and I also love that these films kind of, you know, what was Robert Downey Jr. doing before Iron Man? And yeah. and he's, you know, this kind of was a great resurgence for his career. Yeah, and he's great in it. And he's great in it. There's, there's moments of acting in these movies that you step back and go, these are superhero movies, and this is really good. That's really good. This, this moment, this scene, is really, really good. And there's not a moment in the film where I kind of looked back and went, oh, that was kind of awkward, bad. The the very beginning was a little slow, and I, and I think I yeah. looked at you and I said, that's why this is going to be three hours, and then it just kind of took yeah. off. It wasn't Roma slow. It wasn't Roma slow. But it was, but it, but it's no, and I don't. No, yeah. I find I, I'm all in. So, and I also the thing I think this movie does it makes you want to go back and look at some of the earlier films to help connect in yeah. your head some of the dots, mm-hmm. at least on the storyline. But uh, yeah, I think you're a great example. You can walk in uninitiated or slightly uninitiated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're a movie fan. You've seen stuff. Yeah, and go in and kind of put the pieces together and, and kind of. Be enamored with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's, it was really fun. Wasn't it good? Very fun. I, I highly, you know, yeah. I give it two thumbs up. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I think this is the best picture nominee possibly. Wow. I mean, if Black Panther wasn't, I think Black Panther deserved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally, we're getting some of these movies that are up there on the highest level to be nominated for best picture. But right now, oh yeah, right now. This, well, thing's, this thing's good. So what's jumping out of your mind and as far as one? Well, because this whole thing, you know, they had to go back and, and save Mother Earth and um, and get all the population back. There is and an ecological aspect to there this. There is. Um, Not just know, collateral damage. Well, and you know, too. the interesting thing also, though, in, and I don't want to give too much away, but the movie's been out for a week. So, right. you know, probably one of the... The, the multi-billion dollar or, you know, $1.5 billion uh, viewing has happened from some of our listeners. But, um, you know, Thanos at one point says, I'm just going to wipe all of you out and then start over with a brand new population that will right. that will um, not know what happened before. And maybe this new population. Yeah, will he be says, good. who cares? And yeah, basically, who cares? I'll just reinvent the world. Re- reinvent it. And so, you know, would that world be a better world? And so my whole hope in going back and saving the previous world is that all of those people that were saved will live a healthier, cleaner life. <laughs> right. Because Mother Earth is is being destroyed. I mean, right. we are in a, a very real state of climate change in this country and this world. And... Um, one area that I am particularly passionate about would be in the world of wine. And so it's really exciting to see many winemakers recognizing this and understanding what their carbon footprint is and and understanding that we only have one earth. And so if we don't try to treat her more respectfully, then 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 it will be destroyed. Right. Um, 
And there's a winery in California. It's Benzinger Winery. Um, started in 1973, kind of for for some years. I thought it was more of a bigger production um, winery, but but were really, they the early white Zinfandel no, people? That's that was, different. That was Setter Home. Um, no, okay. and then that was Beringer also. Not was Beringer, not Benzinger. Benzinger brothers or Benzinger was started by Mike and Mary Benzinger, who in 1973 moved uh, to California, settled in Sonoma, and pretty much then their entire family showed up because there are lots of Benzingers and they um, kind of all settled in, in the Sonoma kind of area. And really Mike Benzinger thought early on of how to, how to create wines in an ecological way. And some of that was just to um, maintain a natural habitat within their estate vineyard, uh, meaning that they, allowed trees to grow. It's not just vineyard. It's there are trees, there's wildlife, there's, um, and then the way that they're farming using cover crops and using, um, you know, clean, uh, sustainable, Mm -hmm. um, uh, not using chemicals and all those kinds of things. And they really were one of the first to introduce across the, they have several different lines of wines. They have several different estates they work with, but, or several different vineyards they work with, including their own estate, as well as um, fruit that they source from other vintners. But making sure that as a whole, everything is sustainable. As a whole, it's all kind of green farming. Um, then some of their vineyards are also completely organic. Some of them are mm. completely biodynamic. And so it's utilizing all of these different forms of, of farming to then create the best wines possible. And aside from just the, the ecological, the, the clean green aspect of it, I think you also get a more, uh, a, a, a more authentic wine you yeah. know you taste the you a uh, uh, grape grown without any kind of interference without you know using chemicals without using um, pesticides gives you what the earth wants it to that's right. where you get the terroir from and um and i i love that this is you know has always been kind of the motto yes it's good for the planet but it also makes a better wine right and that's where i just have really appreciated it their sonoma mountain estate um was the was the first i want to say to be come uh Demeter uh, certified mm-hmm. and as a biodynamic farm in um, 2000. Their signature Bordeaux-style tribute became the first um, certified biodynamic release from Benzinger from their Sonoma Mountain Estate. It's kind of a hearty, rich, um, kind of classic Cal- California, Cal- Bordeaux-style blend, Cabernet-driven. Yeah. Um, it's good stuff. It's and, good juice. Well, and they're they're... I think that it's really good wine, but it's also with a really good message. Yeah. And and their estate, their Sonoma estate's beautiful. It has kind of a, a working garden and um, a kind of an area that you can kind of see how some of these different farming techniques work. And and again, I just love that like the kind of the whole family has come together. They're they're on I want to say the third generation now is is working within yeah. the winery, and so it's pretty exciting. And it's a it's a great little wine, and they have everything from you know super high end like the tributes of maybe seventy five dollar eighty dollar bottle of of wine to just their kind of North Coast 
um, Sauvignon Blanc and and Monterey California um, Chardonnays. But again, all of the vineyards that yeah. they're working with That's impressive. are at least within some sort of sustainable. Um, yeah, and they've been doing it a while. It's not like yeah. they started yesterday. Right. They've been doing it a while. Right. Yeah. And have gone through the process to become certified, which just that process is. There are a lot of vintners that that farm clean and green, but to actually go through the certification process is it's a lot. It's rigorous. Yeah. yeah. And and so to actually kind of agree because that basically means that if something happens and and you have, you know, some drastic thing happens in in the vineyard in a particular vintage you can't just go and save it by, you know, throwing some chemicals yeah, on it or something on. like that. Right. You have to, if you're certified, then you're, that's the way you have to farm. You and know, and I, I find it admirable that those restrictions are, are actually a really good thing to put. I mean, to be certified is not easy. Yeah. And that, and that it's difficult to do and you, you have to really work at it. Where our government appears to be just throwing all regulations out and you can way. just spray anything anytime right. you want. Right. And, and, and that's bad. That's bad stuff. Well, and it just, again, yeah. it, it, it's completely illogical because we have one earth to try to save, but then you're also not getting the true, you know, the beauty yeah. of a, of a, of a vine grown tomato from, you know, your backyard, it tastes like a tomato. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the whole thing. Everything, when you, when you don't grow something from the earth, then you lose that, that element of yep. authenticity. Yep. And, and when all of a sudden you're just spraying everything, you're just doing quantity, and you're GMOing yeah. everything, and yeah. and you don't you lose you lose the heart of why something is so special. Well, Avengers Endgame is paying attention. I know, I and love so that. is Bendiger, and so is Bendiger. I like that. Yeah. When we come back on Kogel One and film a perfect pairing, yeehaw! A recent trip to Waxahachie, Texas. You just said yeehaw. I know. Had us <laughs> immersed in Texas-made films and Shinerbach beer and Dukeman wine. And the great Ray Wiley Hubbard, and we'll explain when we come right back. Welcome back to Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. You know, that's the show where wine and film often find themselves the center of attention, at least in our world. Often in our world. And another good example was our recent trip to Waxahachie, Texas, and the crossroads of Texas Film and Music Festival, which includes four days of Texas-made films. Uh, Texas-inspired music, and a lot of stuff to drink. (laughs) Wasn't it a blast? We had a really good time. And bravo to Amy Borders with the city of Waxahachie because you put on a heck of a festival. What a a complete delight. I know that you've participated, Gary, you've participated in this a few times uh, working with Amy. This is my first time to go I would go every year now. And it, it it was such a great time, and it was such a nice um, celebration of of one, the city of Waxahachie, because Waxahachie, Mm -hmm. Texas has had, what did Amy, I think like 80, 90 films have been made in and around this little Texas town. In and around this small Texas town, which has more, the largest concentration of Restored or not restored of authentic Victorian homes. Yeah, little gingerbread houses. Gingerbread houses in one community. A lot of them are three story, yeah, gorgeous. four or five thousand square feet. I mean, yeah. big, huge. And, and these are like yeah. circa 1900s right. kind of homes. And they really have the, the, the Texas traditional town square with the big, huge uh, courthouse Courthouse. that's huge. Yeah. With all the tree, you know, oak trees in front and it growing, you know, and they've and used antique it. Antique stores all around. Right. The opening <laughs> shot in Places in the Heart with Sally Field that she won the Oscar for is that courthouse. 
And uh, and so it's just, and they show it a lot in that movie. But anyway, it's just this concentration of really great historic homes. And then you walk to the town square and there's there's places to eat and there's bars and restaurants and a ton of antique and stores. And a ton of antique stores. And just cool stuff. It's, One of them called the Dove's Nest, which is legendary. And they have a restaurant in the back with, I still cook from that cookbook. Mm-hmm. I love that cookbook. Um, but just the most Is that unique, where your, your, your orange ginger or, yeah, dressing comes yeah, from? Orange curry dressing. Orange curry, yeah. yeah that <laughs> recipe came from there. I'd put it on my Parmesan basket anytime <laughs> with shrimp and stuff. Really? Yeah. But it was... So most of the events also took place in a... The Chautauqua Auditorium, which yeah. was built in 19... I want to say 02. Yeah. So it's well over 100 years old, and it's built like an octagonal, almost like a dance hall. It looks like a... But it has church, like church, big, long wood bench. It's all wood, the floor, the ceilings, the walls, everything. And the walls kind of open up so the air can blow through and the sunlight can come in, and they lower a screen, and you watch movies at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and the air is blowing through, and it's just beautiful. And sometimes the wind... For instance, when Places in the Heart, there's a legendary scene where a tornado comes in and wipes out the town, and they have to crawl down in the cellar, and Sally Field sa- saves her family with John Malkovich and, and uh, Danny Glover. And, and uh, the winds happened to blow and made the screen kind of ripple during that scene. <laughs> and it was just awesome. <laughs> they put in a sound system. But it's a legendary music hall, so a lot of great country stars have played there over the years. And there's a country station based in, uh, you know, that's rooted in Waxahachie. It's about 45 minutes from downtown Dallas going south. And so it, it has its roots in, in uh, the old homes. So it has its roots in country music and this beautiful Chautauqua Auditorium mm-hmm. that's, you know, you can walk to from anywhere in town mm-hmm. just about. So I, I, I thought it was good. But we stayed in a place called the Ch- Chaska House. Chaska, C-H-A-S-K-A. Yes. The Linda, Linda Linda and Lois Chaskas. They one of the Victorian homes. One of the Victorian homes. Um, each room is named for a different author. We stayed in Mark Twain. We stayed in the Mark Tain, Twain suite. My parents came up. They stayed in the Roosevelt suite. Right. Um, we had some friends that stayed in the Heming the t- two different Hemingway suites. Hemingway Hemingway suite one, one and, and Hemingway two. suite two. And I love it. And basically, it was kind of because Lois was a or Lewis was a big um, just a big reader. Mm-hmm. And and there are books everywhere. Books everywhere. There and all of this, all these little knickknacks and paraphernalia, and it looked so much like the front room of of our old house in Arkansas. It just you know, with the little antiques and funny little little glass sculptures mm-hmm. and and lots of lots. It's designed to have lots of things to entertain your mind if you just sit there and look yeah. around. The you room. can sit and play cards by the fireplace. You can, or out on the porch, on the big wrap around porch. Right. Um, Really, really charming. Such lovely people. Bed and breakfast. Great breakfast in the She's morning. She's hilarious. Uh, funny, witty. Has a glass of champagne every day at lunch. I knew I liked her from the start. Um, Linda's great. They're they're really gracious, wonderful hosts. Could not recommend the the place more. I would stay there anytime. And then just the yeah. fact that it is so close to both downtown as well as walking to this um, auditorium. Really, um, perfectly located. And fantastic hosts. Yeah. And and then we had we had a lot of fun. It was a you know you hosted the so the I was film hosting events. all of the film events for the, for the days. And so we started with Boyhood, which was Richard Linklater's film, which was shot in and around all through uh, Central Texas. 
And the guest there was Lorelai Linkletter, which is Richard Linkletter, the writer and the director. That's his daughter. And if you if you remember Boyhood, it came out in, I want to say, 2014. And a lot of people thought it would win the Oscar for Best Picture, and it did not. It lost to Birdman. But it's it's that film where Richard Linkletter, who did School of Rock and Dazed and Confused and and all these just really wonderful films. Uh, I think it's the best film he's ever made, too. But he shot it over a 12-year period. So he'd shoot for about two, three weeks every year. And as the characters grew up, you watched this young boy grow up through his boyhood into college. And his daughter, Lorelai, played the sister of him, you know, of the family. Patricia Arquette was the mother. She won the Oscar. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards. And she won for Best Supporting Actress. Ethan Hawke was the dad. And it goes through a divorce and all that. But you see this kid grow up. It's the most beautiful, wonderful film. Not without controversy. Not without just conflict going on. Because, you know, through a childhood and going through a divorce. And him finding out who he is. And just in the, in in Texas. In the, in the in small town Texas. In Austin. And around Waco. And around Waxahachie. It's just so beautiful. And to watch this outdoors while the wind's blowing through and kind of near the area where it was made was just great. And Lorelai, we had a little conversation after the movie. I would interview the parts of the, you know, every every movie I would introduce the film and then interview with the audience and do Q&A with the audience on, on the people that were involved in making those films. So that was a good one. We went to see True Stories, which is David Byrne's film. David Byrne of the Talking Heads, which is one of the five best concerts I've ever been mm-hmm. to, I think, uh, that we saw yeah. in, in Dallas at the Majestic, Majestic. Theater. Mm-hmm. God, when he sings Burning Down the House. Mm-hmm. Well, he had just made the movie Stop Making Sense with Jonathan Demme, and it was a big award-winning documentary on his band. So Hollywood gave him the okay to make a film he wanted to make. And so he co-wrote... What year was this? I want to say 86, because it was my first year at WFA mm-hmm. at ABC in Dallas. So I was really green. So then the yeah. film, sorry, just to, to yeah. recap, the film is called True Stories. True Stories. Okay. Yeah, and it's, and it's with, uh, you know... So John Goodman, John Goodman is I think it was his first starring role. Yeah. And it's all about the stories. You know, David Byrne is in a convertible and he's driving around parts of Texas. All, he's in an old, all like shot 1960s around, convertible. All 60s red convertible. Yeah. And he's talking into the camera. With a, with a cowboy hat on. And he's exploring the stories of the local people. Yeah. And some of them are music and some of them are not. And the Talking Heads and David Byrne did all the music for the film. And it wasn't a big hit when it came out was actually kind of a disappointment. It then became a cult hit as people started connecting more yeah. to David Byrne. It was great. And it's I a had blast. It's it. so I thought sweet. it was so funny. And it's quirky and yeah. weird. They did the weirdest fashion show yeah. Yeah. in the movie. And they, it ends with all of these people and their stories coming together to put a talent show on a stage made in the middle of a field outside of Waxahachie. And they all get up and perform, uh, and it's the coolest thing. It's really, it's yeah, it's, it's called True Stories. David it's Byrne. really kind of yeah. It's yeah. a very charming kind of film. Right. I actually I was really pleased to, to see it because I thought it was really cute. It is it is it is kind of odd and weird. And then you know we we kind of ended with there's a bunch of films, but Places in the Heart is the definitive Waxahachie movie um, because it was filmed there, but it's directed by Robert, written and directed by Robert Benton who is a six-time Oscar winner. He wrote and directed and won the Oscar for Kramer versus Kramer. Mm-hmm. He wrote uh, Bonnie and Clyde. He wrote and directed Places in the Heart and won Best Screenplay. And that film was nominated for, I think, eight Oscars. And Sally Field won Best Actress. And, and Robert Benton won another Oscar for writing the screenplay. But he grew up in Waxahachie. So he's the... 
And when a little town like Waxahachie becomes such a film center, he's the center of all mm-hmm. of that. And he's still alive, and he lives in New York. And we, 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 we've spent some time with yeah, him Yeah, we talked yeah. about him before on the show, because you yeah. had a great um, event that you yeah, hosted. had, had an the, evening with Robert yeah, Benton that I'll never film forget. And so I just, you know, it all goes back. And I think you can make a case that places in the heart, when you do the top 10 films ever made in the large, great state of Texas, you know, places in the heart, Bonnie and Clyde, uh, Last Picture Show, um, tender, tender Mercies, mm-hmm. and then we get down to Houston and the, um, what's the one? Terms word? of Endearment. Terms of Endearment. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Uh, and there's hundreds and hundreds that you can put Places in the Heart in the top five, possibly, mm-hmm. and maybe and always top ten. So uh, it's just a great movie. And that was fun because Ann Rapp was there. And Ann Rapp, oh my God, I'm so enamored with Ann Rapp. She has been script supervisor on more good films than anyone I've ever met. I mean, she was the script supervisor on The Color Purple. And yet, and here's what the script supervisor does. The script supervisor stands neck and neck, toe-to-toe with the director and the cinematographer behind the camera the entire shooting of every scene. And she keeps them all in line and what needs to be shot next and how it all works in breaking down the script and making sure the continuity of everything is right. Hey, he walked out the door here. He needs to walk in here and... You know, we're going to shoot another scene from a different angle, make sure we do the same thing. And so they're there for every shot, and they become the teammate of the director. Mm -hmm. And she's done four, I think, Robert Benton films, but she did The Color Purple with Spielberg. She did The Accidental Tourist with Lawrence Kasdan and Grand Canyon and a whole bunch of great films. She did Spinal Tap. Um, she did true stories and well, I liked her tender mercies. Yeah, I liked her her conversation because you, you and when you were interviewing her regarding true stories, um, I appreciated how she figured out how to to work with each director because you know directors ha- often have big egos. Yeah, directors often um, have ha- are very determined to know exactly you know to know everything and not to ever be corrected. And so it's kind of that that finding the perfect way to say, um, is this how you wanted this or right. are you um, so? Are you sure you want to do that? I'm, I'm you know I like this. I like that you did this here, but we didn't do that here. Is that intentional? But then I loved her story with David Byrne because anytime she would say that and he would say, oh, it's different. Okay, good. Let's do that. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, let's be as quirky and as weird and right. as off center as you could be. I just thought that was really true. And she also said that the two, two of the nicest people in the world she's ever worked with in her life are Robert Benton and David Byrne. Yeah. And David Byrne's not a filmmaker. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's done some of this, but yeah. But um, before we get into some music, can we talk about the wine? Well, I just love it. So Amy, um, Amy did great in her sponsorships. Um, that wine sponsor for the year was was Dukeman Wines, Dukeman out of Houston. Uh, two doctors that were from Houston, but um, are based in the Hill Country, and all Texas fruit, um, both Hill Country fruit as well as Texas High Plains fruit. Uh, really focused on Italian varieties. And so it was basically a red and a white. And I, yeah, and <laughs> I white. appreciate that. But it was always Dukeman. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was that was the sponsor. And yeah. so um, I loved how, how often um, a Chardonnay was requested. And, and Dukeman doesn't make Chardonnay. So it's here's your Vermentino. But it was Vermentino, gorgeous, light. If you like Sauvignon Blanc, Vermentino is a great option. Um, I think a little bit richer than, than Sauvignon Blanc, but certainly, you know, lots of citrus, lots mm-hmm. of freshness. And their Montepulciano, which is... Um, you know, Italian red variety, really, really special, um, kind of earthy, but not overly, um, not overly 
uh, old world, you know, it's, it does still have some really great fruit and, and approachability. So Dukeman wine was, a, it was a great joy to, to sip some Dukeman while we were there. But I also really love drinking some Deep Eddy vodka. They just had bottles and, and bottles of Well, Deep and Deep Eddy, you know, that was started, Peach, they, they lemon. started, Deep Eddy vodka was started in Austin. Um, gosh, I interviewed those guys probably 10 years ago. And it was started with their sweet tea vodka. Because mm-hmm. it was started by a vodka producer and a, and a tea producer that came together to create their their sweet tea vodka. And I don't even know if they're still, I assume they're still making the sweet tea. But then they came out with their ruby red grapefruit, mm-hmm. which um, I think that was their first kind of other flavor. And man, that ruby, we, I was so happy to find Deep Eddie Ruby Red Grapefruit Vodka on this beautiful island of Hawaii because it is so good. Mm-hmm. It's like their, their flavors are so authentic. Sometimes you have a, an infused or a flavored um, spirit and they're just so cloyingly sweet yeah. and unnatural. We've had a few of those. Um, and then they have the real lemon and then they came out with peach and cranberry and um, they had another, an orange, I think they've come out with orange also, but you know, it's, it's dangerous vodka because it's so good. It's the, so good. The, so the real lemon with a splash of soda, it just tastes like lemonade. It's awesome. It does. It, and it's, yeah, because you're just doing a splash of soda and all vodka. Well, you were doing all vodka. I oh, was cool. doing a little bit more. Gary got a little tipsy one at night or two. Of course he did. Because <laughs> then we went on to see some really great music at night. Yeah, we did. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's Terry Allen is a Texas legend singer-songwriter. We watched a whole set from him. But he had a girl opening for him. Mm-hmm. And her name is Jamie Lynn Wilson. And I've, we have never heard of her. And now I've been online and looked at and I've been listening to her music online and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to buy some of her mm-hmm. stuff. Because she's a singer-songwriter, uh, has four kids. Based, I think, in like outside of Houston. Just outside Texas. of Houston. But really, you start... Uh, she's at the, at the Kessler Theater, come, or the nice. Granada, I think. Or either Kessler or Granada coming up in Dallas soon. But she's so good and clear voice and writes really meaningful Her words songs. were very good. Yeah. And I, you know, that's the beauty of, of, I think, country music as a whole, as well as a lot of Texas artists, that the the voices are are good and a lot of you know you can even have a not so good voice but if you have really good words that I think we continue to find with with a lot of these artists um you know Ray Wiley Hubbard has kind of a funny voice but man his lyrics are hilarious and his band sounds good and it's yeah. his son who plays with him and his son's a kick butt guitar player yeah but that's I mean yeah. you know it's it's kind of the the old raspy like you don't yeah. you if you have a really great story to tell, then then just tell it, even if it's with kind of a raspy voice. Right. Jamie Lynn had a gorgeous voice, and then her words were so meaningful. And then the story behind the songs that she's written, and right. I mean, I was sitting in a in a in this pew like seat crying in the middle of a, of a concert because it was just so, you know, it was yeah. meaningful. It was meaningful. And, uh, and yeah, it's really moving. It's really, really special. beautiful stuff. Yeah. So we go into, uh, um, we've been around Wade Wiley Hubbard before, but to sit and see an entire set from him was fun. He's legendary Texas renegade country music. And when you talk about, you know, Jerry Jeff Walker, Ray Wiley Hubbard, Towns Van Zandt, um, Charlie Sexton, you can throw Lyle Lovett in there a little bit, uh, Robert Earl Keane mm-hmm. in there. But Ray Wiley Hubbard is the real deal. 
And he wrote Up Against the Wall, You Redneck Mother. Mm-hmm. And of course, we all know Up Against the Wall, and we all sing along to yeah. do that song. But he wrote a song called Snake Farm, which Ooh. has become just about as legendary <laughs> that I can't sing it and I'm not going to do it. But just get online and uh, Google Ray Wiley Hubbard singing Snake Farm, and you'll get like 50 versions and it's over the years of him doing this live. And yeah. everybody, it's, it's of, a reptile. It's, it's, and it's a song about, you know, he dated a girl that worked at a snake farm in Texas. And one thing about Texas and Florida that are similar is if you drive across Texas, and uh, every once in a while you'll see a sign on the side of the road that says snake farm with a little arrow to it. And then you'll drive over there, you know, once in a while and go in and there might be 500 rattlesnakes in a pit. It's all disgusting. It's just, uh, and he worked at, he dated a girl that worked at a snake farm. Just like when you drive across Florida and there's a sign that says alligator farm. And then you go in and you look at all the alligators and it's kind of disgusting. I'm so glad there weren't snakes. But man, snake farm. <laughs> and then, some, and then w- one of the guests shows up in a snake farm shirt. Yes. And I got to get one. <laughs> snake farm shirt. So we, we love this. And, and thank you, Waxahachie, for being gracious. But it's one of the great little festivals. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end by saying this. When you go to the movie theater, Haley took the iconic photo of the entire trip. When you go to this Chautauqua auditorium that's all wood from head to toe, and they open up the windows on the side, and you sit there and you watch... Movies made in Texas, it's not uncommon that 30 to 50% of the people in the audience are wearing cowboy hats. Mm -hmm. And it's just a different kind of thing. And the air is blowing through, and they got a Shiner Bach beer or a Deep Betty vodka or a Dukeman wine in their hand. And there's this picture of this big screen with places in the heart going on or or true stories going on. And there's a guy sitting it with a beer in his hand with a cowboy hat. And it's from behind. And it's the iconic photo of. This is what it's like sometimes to watch movies in Texas. It was good. And it's a privilege. We'll include that on the website. It's a cute yeah. photo. Will you throw that photo yeah, up there? I will. I Absolutely. love that stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Wasn't that great? I'd do it again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again to, to Waxhatchee and Amy and, and for having us out because we really did have a ball. Had a ball meeting some new friends and, yep. and seeing some old ones. And Met a lot of new friends. Hopefully get to do it again. Next time on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. More films and television shows worthy of attention, including Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron in a new romantic comedy. It's called Long Shot. Can't wait to see it. But for more on our discussion today, follow our blog on CogillConsulting.com or through Facebook. Be sure to follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Cogill. And to see what we're drinking now, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Dallas Uncorked. And with that, I'm Gary Cogill, and I'm always looking for the next great film. I'm Haley Hamilton Cogill, always in search of a great glass of wine. Join us next time on Cogill Wine and Film, a perfect pairing. Aloha. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.